Hello there! It's Thursday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only podcast, well, it's the only movie podcast, but it's also the only podcast that offers objective, hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, he hates every APCs from Chimpan A to Chimpan Z. It's Anthony James. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, good night. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing very well, how about you? I'm very well, thank you. There, and once again, there is a reason for that intro. It's not just plucked oh. out. I, I do also appreciate that I've broken from tradition slightly with that intro um, and not quoted a movie, but it, it'll make sense. Just trust me, all right, listeners? Just trust me. Um, so we're doing a movie diary this week um, mm-hmm. where we talk about all the movies we've seen since the last time we did one of these, which mm-hmm. is only a week, but, you know, maybe we've seen loads of movies. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, one of us has. Uh, the other one has seen enough to talk about. We've, yeah, well, I mean, one of, the, one of the movies that one of us has seen this week is going to merit a fair bit of discussion. I'm going to say that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before we get into it, uh, please uh, subscribe to us on YouTube if you're not already um, on the uh, Culture Cave or on podcasting apps. We're the best movie podcast ever. If that is your preferred medium of consumption, uh, give the video a like. Get involved in the comments. Let us know what you have been watching this week and what you thought of the movies that we're about to discuss. But without further ado, I say let's talk about some movies. Let's do it. Cinema. I didn't say movies <laughs> this week. All will become clear shortly. All right. Oh. We're here to talk about a bit more highbrow kino, the the cinematic <laughs> art form, and what better place to start? Well, you know, when I when I think cinema, the f- as I'm sure is the case with many people, the first name that comes to mind is of course Zack Snyder, and. Oh. <laughs> And That's I don't, very I don't know if you've heard. I, well, yeah, I was going to say I don't know if you've <laughs> yeah. heard or not, Anthony. But there's a, li- a little movie's been been I guess released, re-released. Uh, you might say in 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 the uh, the past week, and that is Zack Snyder's The Just. No, wait, hold on. No, it is Zack oh. Snyder's The Justice League, 2021. I did. I, it's because I I wrote it down in my notes as Justice League hyphen the Snyder Cut, which is not what it's called. It's called Zack Snyder's The Justice League, just to just to catch me out. Um, just, just to differentiate from the other one that he directed four years ago. <laughs> that's the 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 one from 2018 I think it was twenty eighteen. It came out twenty seventeen. Is it was, probably yeah. one of the rare cases of a movie that has two directors disavowing any any responsibility for, <laughs> for it. Because um, I doubt Whedon wants anything to do with it either. But um, but yes, Zack Snyder's The Justice League. I did watch it. We're going to start with that because we, we it's the elephant in the room or indeed yeah. the cyborg in the room um, and we're going to we can't, we can't move past it so we're going to have to go through it. So you've seen Did you did you watch the original in preparation of this? No, I thought about I I thought about doing a double header for this very podcast, but I I watched this one first and then I was like I haven't got another one of those in me. To, like, yeah. to be honest. Um I have seen the original, although it's been several years. Have you, I've seen, you it. seen it? Yeah, well? I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So wasn't a fan. No, okay, so so like a little bit of preamble to this. I didn't like the original movie. I thought it was tonally all over the place um but which i i I we'll get into in a second as to how like snyder addresses that but i think i was skeptical about the snyder cut um coming into this because well for multiple reasons one is that i think 
it's not really the film's fault, but I think this this kind of like fandom that has grown up around the idea of the of the Snyder Cut is mm-hmm. kind of indulging some of the most kind of toxic aspects aspects of like internet fandom. I think um, it's it's kind of you know allowing people's imaginations to run riot as as to what this what this film might be and and, and kind of perpetuates these ideas of I don't know Joss Whedon coming in and ruining this movie or something, mm-hmm. um, which I don't particularly enjoy. But also I think from from a purely kind of technical perspective my issues with Whedon's version of the film were not things that you could fix by like recutting and adding extra footage mm-hmm. in for the most part you know there, there were action scenes were confusingly shot um the characterization of Batman I thought was a huge misstep uh, and we'll get into all of that but I'm gonna I'll say this now I don't think Zack Snyder fixed a lot of it so um <laughs> so first off plot the movie has one and I, I'll lay it out for those of you who haven't seen it <laughs> There's these guys called the the, the superheroes, right? You, you, we all know what superheroes are. There are things on Earth called mother boxes. Oh wait, I mean Infinity Stones. No, they're called mother boxes in this. <laughs> um, and if you put them all together, they like terraform the planet and destroy it. It's the same plot as like uh, I, I'm not like raking this movie over the coals for not having an original yeah. plot because like it. Avengers didn't invent the MacGuffins that destroy the world thing either, but it's just you know it's so similar. What did you say like... they were called? Rocks of Infinity. What were they called? <laughs> um, in, in the Avengers, they're the Infinity Stones. In this, <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, they're, they are called Mother Boxes. I don't know. They, they, we can't spend too long dwelling on that. It's a thing. Infinity Stones sounds better. Yeah, when you put the boxes together, bad stuff happens. Um, and there's a dude called Steppenwolf, played by the criminally underused uh, Kieran Hines, who I. I, yeah. I He's he's in this movie and and the and the original so little that I didn't even realize it was Kieran Hines until I went and looked up um, the IMDb page. Uh, he wants to get them together because he's kind of working for the big bad guy Darkseid. He's like terraforming all these planets so Darkseid uh, or, or as as you may already know him Thanos um, can uh, can <laughs> expand his galactic empire, etc. etc. Batman needs to get a group of heroes together to save him. He gets Cyborg, the Flash, Wonder Woman. I think I'm probably missing one. Superman eventually. Well, Superman eventually, yeah, it gets them together. And Cyborg. Bat- Do you say Cyborg? Yeah, Cyborg? Cyborg, the Flash, Batman, Wonder Woman, Batman. I feel like there's another one. No, I'm. I'm I think I'm just making that up. Joker. Um, we'll get into that. Fucking hell. <laughs> um, he gets the group together. They go and fight Steppenwolf. Aquaman. Did I say? Yeah, Aquaman. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, you didn't yeah. say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get all that Aquaman. Okay. So that's the plot. It's basically the same thing as as uh, the Joss Whedon movie. Things that have changed, that all that I noticed had changed, and I say this as someone who hadn't seen the the Whedon movie for a few years, so I, it was only really the obvious stuff that that struck me. Number one with the bullet, Zack Snyder made uh, changed the aspect ratio. He puts it in four three, which Ooh. I'm not I'm not against things being in a different aspect ratio. There are definitely reasons to do it. Um, I think most recently the Lighthouse. Um, used a I can't actually remember the aspect ratio the lighthouse used it wasn't I, I, yeah, and I like that actually but it's I think that offered a very kind of claustrophobic um yeah. view of things and 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 <clears throat> kind of it accentuated the like the verticality of the lighthouse itself which yeah. I, I felt mm-hmm. like thematically really worked it I did, think yeah. I think here I don't think Snyder's got the chops to 
compose a scene uh, to take advantage of this. I think I think his kind of motivation is to present these heroes as these like towering figures that dominate the entire screen. But the 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 effect for the most part is that it just makes me think makes me feel like half the screen has been cut off on the sides. It's like this, the shot yeah, well, feels yeah. like it's. I feel like I'm watching this on an old television. Um, the shots weren't composed for that originally, so it's literally him just trying. How do we make this arty? How do we make mm, this arty? Well, yeah, and and there's interstitial cards with. <clears throat> um like quotes from like you know it, like it's like part one and then a quote from from the upcoming part which i i did enjoy but it is also a bit like come on dude <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is like an episode of frasier that we're watching <laughs> that we're watching here that's interesting actually we're off a little bit off topic here but we sort of are on topic something that i noticed when i moved to the uk and ireland actually they do it too um in both sets of tv and people from other places in the, in the world might not know this, but in an hour-long episode of TV of something in, in the UK on English television, uh, they usually have an ad break every 15 minutes. So there'll be four parts to the hour-long show. Yeah. Right, so you just reminded me of this. When I came from Australia, I thought it was so strange because literally some, they'll say, in, 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 in between, they'll say, coming up, part two. Like, they'll call each quarter of the show part one, two, three, and four. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that, that really is, threw me off. That, that's a very. Uh, I feel like that's a. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a throwback that because you know, it is, it, isn't they it? definitely did used to do it. You know, if you're watching, I don't know, watching like E4 the, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or even something with like a narrative. I feel like they would have. You know, you're watching like the Dukes of Hazard in the UK in like the 70s or something. Mm-hmm. They would have called it part one, two, three, and four, but they kind of did away with that as as we move more towards prestige television. They're like, no, we don't split things into oh, parts. Oh yeah, they yet. were still doing it with Smallville. I'll just tell you that, and also Lost. They did it with that as well. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So, but, but I mean, Vernon. But that's what Zack Snyder chose to do with this. Yes, he, he chose, did. He split yeah. it down into parts and gave each part a quote, like uh, <laughs> like it was an episode of Frasier. Um, <laughs> so, he's basically doubled the length of this movie. Um, it's just shy of four hours long, and boy, How howdy, does it feel? Do you feel every minute of that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, so, and, and I'm gonna, I'll say this now because there's gonna be a lot of me criticizing this movie. Um, I think what he has made is better than the just the, the theatrical release, I, I but it's only marginally so, and mm. it's it, you know it, it's still four hours of movie when it didn't really need to be. I don't think, and you know as a as a so as a supposed fan of cinema. I don't know how I'm going to be able to, you know, look my grandchildren in the eye and tell them that I've never seen Gone with the Wind, but I managed to set aside four hours to watch the fucking Zack Snyder <laughs> Justice That's League. That's a very, <laughs> very good point. Heaven's <laughs> Gate, never seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's too long. But I yeah. sat down to watch this one afternoon because apparently I'm an idiot with no sense of taste. Um, <laughs> And it, it, it put me back, I've, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, I believe, but it put me back in mind of a great bit in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, where they talk about how their episodes that they'd shot were running so short that they had to use slow-mo literally anywhere that they possibly could. And there is so much goddamn slow motion in this movie. It's like, you could have saved me 45 minutes just by taking out most of the slow-mo time. That's Zack Snyder for you. Was he doing the old uh, style of like the... This- the zoom in like he did in 300 was he doing a lot of that oh uh, he doesn't he doesn't really do the zoom on what on the on the sort of panoramic shots of leonidas it sort of has out. to be shot for that doesn't it like yeah, yeah it would have to be shot for that, that i think doing that is because i think they had to actually do that on like two different cameras running at different yeah. shot speeds and then kind of composite them together um, yeah, yeah. which is really difficult to do but i mean there's loads of 
like slow motion violence a lot of blood Zack Snyder's a big fan of blood actually there's some confusing blood like there's a bit where um, Steppenwolf is like so he's basically going around trying to get the Infinity Stones sorry I mean Mother Boxes um, and, and um, he's fighting like the, the Atlanteans have one the I think they're Amazonians Wonder Woman's gang have one and the humanity have one um, and it's actually really funny if that's reminded you of Lord of the Rings you're not wrong because it reminded Zack Snyder of Lord of the Rings as well and there's literally a, there's literally a battle sequence in the middle of this movie that might as well have had Galadriel talking over the top of it about the battle for the, of the One Ring because it's literally the armies of Man Atlantis and Amazonia fighting in Mount Doom against you know St- uh, uh, Darkseid and his, his army to reclaim the mother boxes um, and it looks exactly like the opening of uh, Fellowship of the Ring um, but yes yeah, so there's a bit talking about the blood there's a bit where like Steppenwolf is like fighting the uh, um, Atlanteans and he, he you know gets some generic Atlantean who's you know he's getting the he needs to get information from this Atlantean he's getting he, he's, he's torturing him and he chucks him against a rock and like the guy hits the rock and there's a huge blood spray on the rock behind him um, but then it cut, then he walks up to him and begins like continuing to interrogate the guy and it's like the have you seen the amount of blood that's on that rock? <laughs> like, how is this guy still functional as a human being? And it feels like they wanted it to be like, right, that's the end of that sentence. You know, Darth Vader chokes out guys, Steppenwolf brains them against rocks. But then they're like, shit, he needed to say some more stuff in this scene. So we're going to pretend that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of blood. Uh, there's a I won't spoil who it is, but there's a bit where a character has already very clearly been beaten, and uh, Wonder Woman cuts their head off in slow motion for no reason. Um, but it's still it's, it's still cool. the same. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. Head beheadings are cool. Um, <laughs> it's it's just a, a, like it's. I think there's a lot of missteps in this movie that were never going to be fixed by yeah. by by Zack Snyder here. So I, mean, I think the it like there's there's stuff like the underwater sections particularly having come from watching aquaman last week it is remarkable how much muddier and darker and hard to pass the underwater sections are in this like they're really really ugly actually in some places and there are just some action i remember uh, that yeah mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's like it's, when you compare it to aquaman which literally looks like it could be you know a live action remake of the little mermaid it's which is not a bad thing I, I enjoyed that it was colorful um this is just dark and muddy and horrible um and i think a lot of the action scenes are still really confusingly shot um that you know they, they just it's just kind of competency problems in a lot of it in terms of like visually communicating what's actually happening in a scene and sort of maintaining a sense of motion between cuts and and probably my biggest problem with with both versions that it's maintained in this is that like batman is characterized as like boring man with gun which mm. I I can I I don't hate Affleck's performance. I think there's an int- like he finds something interesting in his performance as a kind of very world weary, very kind of quiet Batman. But I also think I can't escape the feeling that Snyder was wrestling with how to make Batman real, man. Like you know you've got Superman and Wonder Woman and all these like super powered heroes, and like how do we make him work in this team with all these superheroes? <laughs> and when you compare it to like the Avengers, which you know. It's not. I don't. I don't want to con- continuously compare it to the Avengers, but the comparison is there for for all yeah. to see. You look at someone like Captain America, who is not te- not really a superhero. Like he, his the super soldier serum in theory pushes him to the limits of what a human can do. But he's still got like mm-hmm. fucking Thor and the Hulk on his team. Like in theory, 
or in, in reality, Captain America should be useless on that team. Like Thor and the Hulk would just run off doing everything, and Captain America would be like, "Good, good going, guys." But they yeah, don't. Yeah. They don't do that because, and the same goes for for Black Widow as well. But they don't do that because it's no fun. We just pretend that they're all on level footing, and yeah, you yeah. Know, we have fun in our adventure movie. And I feel like in this, like Zack Snyder was so wrapped up in being like, we've got to make him work. How do we do this? Rather than just letting him be a cool ninja who, with gadgets and crime-fighting abilities. And the answer was, we give him loads of guns, which is not only really dumb, but also kind of betrays the character a little bit, because he's just constantly killing people. Like, the Batmobile yeah. is covered in guns in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the, Batman is not a soldier. You know, he's, he's, he's one of his... Isn't it his, one of his main rules is that he doesn't kill people? Yeah, that's li- li- literally, like, the core of his relationship with the mm-hmm. Joker is he can't kill him, because, yeah. like, because it goes against his creed. So he has to find a way to kind of you know not break his his rule while also stopping the joker from murdering you know thousands of innocent people so if he's just like i'm just gonna kill people like we'll just shoot the joker then for a start (laughs) but also there's the clear parallels between batman and uh and iron man obviously the two rich you know they're basically the equivalent in the world very much so with with the gadgets and you know the 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 rich uh sort of never-ending money um but the thing is tony stark as iron man you know never has a gun in his hand <laughs> you know well, I, I mean even he, he does he, he does blast he does blast you know with his things but he actually creates a a, a, a suit which become makes him a superhuman yeah whereas batman in this is just you know taking a gun and yeah. just being, a, being mean, like a gangster he, he literally like punches two guys in the whole movie i was like watching like god batman doesn't do any martial arts in this he's just like there's there's like one guy punches and the re- like literally through the climax of the whole movie he's just running around with a gun shooting things. It's like that's <laughs> not that, you, you might as well just make this dead shot or something. There's no point yeah. in this character being Batman. Um, so that I still think is a massive misstep. Um, I, I think it's all about Kieran Hines being criminally underused. Amy Adams is still criminally underused in this. Like she deserves so much better. I mean, like you mm-hmm. and I are both big fans of The yeah. Master, where she you know turns in an absolutely brilliant performance. Um, and yeah, to see her re- relegated to you know a character who gets i think like two scenes with speaking parts in this is just criminal um and then you know i I think structurally snyder has reordered this to make more sense i think um it it flows a lot better even if it does get even if it does drag massively because of how long it is and i think snyder made a good choice by removing pretty much all of the joss whedon one-liners because they just do not work tonally so the bit where like batman is trying to recruit aquaman to his team and makes a joke about him talking to fish is no longer in there and that pretty much that there are pretty much no jokes in this movie like uh, ezra miller as the flash and jason momoa get a little bit but the rest of it is is very straight laced, and it, and it, I think that probably does work because, you know, the the tone of this movie <laughs> is not... it takes itself very seriously. Yeah, exactly, and it's and you know I, I think that's true of a lot of Zack Snyder's movies. Like I don't think he is particularly good at having any sense of levity in his movies. Right, right, Conrad. It, it sounds to me now. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds to me that like you don't think that this film is the hundred and twenty third best film ever. <laughs> No, I would I would say I could probably if you gave me a pen and paper, I think I could name you at least 123 movies that are better than the Justice Zack Snyder's Justice League. Because for any listeners who didn't know, when we're recording this on Monday the 22nd of March 2021, Zack Snyder's Justice League is currently sitting at 123 on IMDb's top 250 films. It's better than Heat. It's better than LA Confidential. It's better than Die Hard. It's better than Batman Begins. It's better than Monty Python and the Holy Grail, apparently. Yep. 
That is oh, just that. I mean, I I've gone on record. Better than there times. will be blood. There will be blood. It's better than apparently. The, uh, the, the I I've gone on record many times of it, like raging against the IMDb rating system, but but these are all this these are all IMDb rating systems. So like you, we rage against the system, but at the same time we're comparing them within the system. Yeah. You know what I mean? The same people voted on this that voted on you know the same crowd. You know what yeah, I mean? That's true. Well, I, okay, I guess like the IMDb's top two fifty films ever has a has a, a worthy entrance. Um, it just don't watch it on the same the same weekend that you watch um, Lawrence of Arabia because you will be tired, frankly, after those movies. I I, I mean I I don't hate this movie, I don't, and I, I can understand why some people re- would really like it. I can't I I don't think I could listen to anyone seriously if they tried to tell me that this was like a five star movie. It's just not. It's just it's it's yeah. There, there's stuff to enjoy here um, if you're really into the DC superheroes. Yeah, there's probably stuff that you'll enjoy. Batman, you know, turning up in in his uh, in his in his it's not a spoiler because it's in the it's in the trailer, but he's turning up in his black suit and beating the shit out of Steppenwolf is is quite cool. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just like it's it's so overblown and it has such a sense of self importance that really rubs me the wrong way, to be honest. Um, which a lot of Snyder uh, yeah. movies do. There's, I will say, yeah. I will say, Conrad, that um, <clears throat> excuse me, you might not trust IMDb. Um, and uh, they like it's currently sitting at an eight point four on IMDb out of ten, which you know is actually very very conservative compared to Rotten Tomatoes audience score ninety six percent. Oh yeah, the people are the people are loving it. <laughs> yeah, people are loving I thought, it. Like this, is, we're going to go off track slightly a bit here, but like there's something to be said for. And I, I, I've no, I, I like The Rock a lot, but I'm going to use him as an example here. There has been a worrying trend towards film critic reviews being dismissed as like, oh, the elite didn't like it, but the people, you know, they're, they're not, they're not speaking for the people. Like the people really enjoy it. And I remember when Baywatch came out, and The Rock was like, the fans are loving it, but the critics hate it. Shows what they know. And it's like, okay, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> I don't know if I like this. This fucking yeah, the, yeah. Particularly with something like Baywatch, like is that really the hill you want to die on, Dwayne? Like, <laughs> Make good movies, and then perhaps you'll get good critic <laughs> reviews. But yeah, the thing, I, the I, thing I, is, Con- the thing is, Conrad, I saw this coming. Like, I know, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Like, I, 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 said to Conrad just before, just before we started uh, recording, I said, I tell you what, if J.J. Abrams re-released his own cut, his own cut of the ninth Star Wars film, and it was just him sitting on the toilet for two hours, it would get nine out of ten on IMDb, hundred <laughs> percent, because everyone just gets their in the in their own mind about oh, the J.J. cut. The Zack Snyder cut. It must be better. It has to be better. And fine, if they enjoyed it, it's fine. But in my opinion, when you go into a film with so much expectation, it's strange to me that it's meeting the expectation for these people. Yeah, it's a, you know? I mean, like, but I think I, I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to put words in other people's mouths. But I think when I was talking about it, like appealing to the worst aspects of internet fandom. Those, 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 the people who are like that deeply rooted in it, it, like their opinions of these kind of things go in one of two directions. Like everything is either the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. And clearly, they've decided which way they fall on that. I will also say as well, like um, JJ Abrams sitting on the toilet for two hours would probably be a better movie than Rise of Skywalker. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, at least at least we got to see a yellow lightsaber on on screen. Um, It'd be cool if he just took one of them out while on the toilet. You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, at least it would be consistent, you know. Like, like maybe time for an arc. 
But anyway, yeah. that is Zack Snyder's the ju- uh, the Justice League. I don't really have too too much more to say on it than that. I think if you're desperate, if you're absolutely desperate for superhero stuff, go and watch WandaVision. And then once you've watched all of WandaVision, go and watch the Avengers movies again. The Falcon, they... no, the, the Falcon. Oh yeah, well, Falcon and Soldiers out as well. we'll go... I haven't watched any of that, but I pre- presumably that's better than this. <laughs> I've seen the first episode. I actually very, I, I did enjoy yeah. it. Um, yeah. Okay. So excellent. Well, going on from there then. We're going to move and stay in the superhero realm. So you guys know that I'm uh, I'm rewatching the MCU films with my mm. wife because she's never seen them all. Um, she has seen Thor Ragnarok, which is the third one, the Tucker Waititi one. Yeah, but she's never seen the original Thor. Okay. Now I remember I remember telling her that when Tucker Waititi made uh, Thor Ragnarok, we both loved Tucker Waititi, and when we yeah. watched Thor, Thor Ragnarok, we both loved that film, and it was hilarious, and he managed to bring his spin to it, and it was just, it was just great. I told her that the original Thor and the second one weren't the same style of film, didn't have the same attitude. No. It was very, very different. Um, ha- but I did, I, we never discussed then what she would have think, thought of it. She actually very much enjoyed it. And I, and I, to be honest with you, I enjoyed it too. I think out of the first three, I'm not counting the Hulk, out of the first three MCU films, um, I think that it is the weakest uh, of the th- three. I think Iron Man 1 and Iron Man 2 are better than it. Yeah. Uh, I think we can all agree there. Uh, but... I just really love the balls on on Marvel here. So they have like sort of a Batman style, uh, you know, superhero in Iron Man, as we talked about earlier, where he's like sort of this rich, you know, egotistical guy, and he's, he has all these gadgets, and he, it's basically based on Earth, and it's about it's like sort of a science fiction. Yeah. And then in, in their third film, they're like, right, we we want to make this like a crazy universe where everyone can come into it. It's going to be just like the comics, like right? something that we haven't really seen on in film before. Yeah. It's going to be just like the comics. Let's go straight up fantasy. We're going to have Thor and it's going to be Asgard and we're going to have the, yeah. the, the the frost giants in there. And it literally is, it's just, it's well, it is actually just like a Lord of the Rings style thing too. Yeah, yeah. Um, like it, it, it has, it definitely nails that fantasy aesthetic, I think. Yeah, and I just I love the I love the shift. Like if I'm I'm viewing it like a big series of films now. I'm, I'm viewing it like the MCU. I'm not watching the Thor films. I'm watching all of the Marvel films, and I just love the shift into this. I think uh, setting setting Thor in like I'm, and I'm not sure in the comics. Uh, you know, people can tell me in the comments, but setting Thor in New Mexico, like completely out of his element to me really worked uh, oh, really yeah. worked like, well I mean th- I think that's one of the reasons why like I think the, the, I, I really like the first Thor movie and I think there's two things yeah. I love about it first is that they got fucking Kenneth Branagh to direct it which yep. is just mm-hmm. like I love the idea that, like we're doing you know third movie in the MCU um, you know we kind of made our bed with like the John Favreau stuff um, with Iron Man 1 and 2 who, who can we get to direct this I'm like oh well how about we get Kenneth Branagh and we put fucking Anthony Hopkins in this movie <laughs> it's just like prestige British actors all over yeah. the place Anthony but Hopkins they, was fantastic he, this, yeah, yeah he is but, and then you do what is essentially like a fish out of water comedy almost mm-hmm. for a lot of the yeah, movie yeah. you know it's like you get all the cool fantasy Asgard stuff but then you just take Thor and put him in, in New Mexico and it's like now it's a comedy for you know 40 minutes and I think it really works and I think this is actually the moment for me as well where Chris Hemsworth started to prove he had chops as a comedic actor which they definitely mm-hmm. leaned into later on in the MCU um, oh yeah I, I think oh, yeah. up, up until it, yeah. this point you know he was seen as I, I think you know definitely a, a leading man but a leading man who was maybe a limited actor and I think this proved that that's not the case 
Yeah, like he has so many, so many good little jokes. Like even whenever you take someone who's like a fish out of water, but also like takes himself so seriously, and then like you know, like the bit where he's he's drinking a coffee and he slams the mug on the ground and goes another. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's just absolutely hilarious. But I love the way he plays as well because when they're when they're the the, the women and Stellan Skarsgård are like, what's going on? Like, what, why are you doing that? He's like, and he's like. I didn't mean any harm by it, you know. He's, like, he's not. <laughs> yeah. He never breaks like the coolness, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool. Um, I because I'm watching them all together as well. I noticed the tie-in with um, uh, what is his name, Coulson from the yeah, from, Agent Coulson, from, yeah. from Shield. Uh, and he, oh, I like that Thor calls him uh, son of Col- son of Cole, <laughs> son of Cole. True, yeah. um, I thought it was really nice touch having Stalin Skarsgård in it. Oh, to, oh yeah, uh, always great of, to see Stalin Skarsgård turn up in anything. Yeah, having the roots back into the Scandinavian myths and legends was great, uh, and I've like the, just the idea in this world where Thor eventually becomes like a superhero in in the in the in the earthly realm. Uh, it's so funny that like it, he's actually also is the god from Scandinavian mythology. Yeah, it's pr- pretty funny in that regard. Yeah, I think uh, this is really the only time they talk about that. It's just like don't don't yeah. think too hard about it, guys. Like he, you know, he was Asgard's a real place. They're the gods of the Norse, but they're also superheroes. Don't don't worry about it. <laughs> But later on as well, like later on, way down the road, as we know, like Asgard eventually, like new Asgard or whatever, it's on Earth. It's like yeah, she's in like gods. Finland somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm a, it's a bit of a shame that we didn't see more of Natalie Portman um, later on in the thing. But I do think there's a rumor that she is coming back to play Thor. Like not Thor, obviously, but I think she's she's going to be wielding uh, Mjolnir. Okay. I never looked up what actually happened with that, whether she just said she didn't want to do any more or whether it was a conflict with schedules or, or something like that. But, you know, she again, you know, talk, th- this movie is kind of full of really good actors. I mean, Tom all, Hiddleston. Yeah, I mean, to, Tom Hiddleston is like is great in it as well. And, like, you know, Lover or Hater, like Kat Dennings could definitely do. Mm-hmm. Yeah the thing that she does in this movie and in later later stuff like WandaVision as well she can do that very well um, mm-hmm. so yeah like a really really strong cast I think and and I, I think if you when you go from like Iron Man to Thor and then after Thor 2 which I, I presume you'll probably get to yeah. uh, either next week or, or sometime soon go to Captain America which is literally like a World War 2 movie with some sort of action adventure stuff thrown in yeah yeah it, it, it is quite striking how diverse um, they managed to make those early Marvel movies feel, um, which I think mm-hmm. is it's telling. Uh, uh, as someone who wasn't like, I, I like the, the the good Marvel movies. I do really like, but I definitely got a bit fatigued with them, and I do felt that they started to be a bit kind of homogenized in the in the middle mm-hmm. there. But this these early ones are very distinct. I think. Oh yeah, very much so, and like because they, they, the worlds haven't melded yet. Maybe after the first Avengers, it starts to sort of change a bit. Yeah, but um, like. Put it this way, I think the, the biggest praise I can give the film is in this early stage of this universe that they were creating, they couldn't afford a stumble. You know, no, um, I'm not going to count the Hulk. They couldn't afford a stumble, um, and they didn't stumble. It's 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 a good film. I I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing watching Thor two because Thor two I didn't remember very like liking as much. Um, so I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, That's one of the yeah. ones I've not seen. Thor two, the dark the dark world. Dark World, yeah. yeah. I'm look, yeah. So I'm looking forward to watching it just to get my sort of thoughts in order about it. I do remember like liking it, but I just I don't remember where I where I definitely I didn't like it as much as the first one, but I can't remember where I would have fallen overall. Yeah. That's what I'm looking I forward to. I think broadly, it's it's not as fondly remembered as a lot of the other ones. Certainly not from Phase One. I don't actually know when Phase mm-hmm. One ended. Did it end with the 
first Avengers movie, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, th- okay. I think so. I think so, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Um, yeah, cool. So there you go. That, that's that's Thor. Um, I, so I'll, I'll keep you up. Obviously, the next one's Captain America. Um, so we'll we'll let you know what we think. Okay. Well, that's yeah. That, uh, like, I'm I'm excited to to continue down this path with you um, <clears throat> on your MCU re- rewatch because um, th- there's some good movies in there. Um, mm. And I'm actually going to stick in the stick in the disney wheelhouse for oh. this next one i, I didn't realize disney owned this and was actually taken aback I, I was looking for movies to watch and i was like oh you know what? i've got disney plus at the moment because i, I watched ryan the last dragon last week i'll have a look at what's on disney plus and wouldn't you know it fucking conan the Bar- barbarian from 1982 <laughs> is on there because fox had the international distribution rights to this and when disney bought fox apparently disney now have the international distribution rights for it so and and, and he is technically i believe in it's either DC or oh. Marvel. It's one. Uh, it's one of those two <laughs> like kind of comic universes. Conan is in it. I think it's Marvel that Conan because uh, he's Dark Horse. I'm not sure. Someone in the comments will have to correct me on that. But mm. he he's te- he technically could show up in uh, in an MCU film at some point. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but Jason but yeah, Momoa is him and Aquaman. So how would they do that? Uh, well, that would only become a problem if they did a crossover between the Justice League and the Avengers, um, because um, yeah, because which could possibly happen. Disney. Can do- I really hope it doesn't. DC need to get their act in order before anything like that happens. I mean, you just just Disney like do what they did with uh, with Fox and Spider Man. Be like, just give it to us. We'll source it. All right. Like- yeah. <laughs> well, that's why they didn't make any more Hulk films standalone because the the. the- Company that owns owns the Hulk rights didn't uh, do that with them like they did with Spider Man. Yeah. Although so Sony doesn't own the rights to Hulk, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I bet they regret that now because. Hundred percent. Could have made some money out of that one. Um, but yeah, so 1982's Conan the Barbarian. Uh, this movie rules, frankly. Uh, it's one of my favorite favorite movies, um, or was one of my favorite movies as a kid. It's cheesy as hell. It's uh, directed by John Milius, stars Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, James L. Jones and Max von Sydow. It's just great sword and sorcery epic. Um, it's it's based on the I think novels by Robert E. Howard, which I've never read any of them. But it's you know when you think of your like kind of prototypical muscled barbarian who just wanders around in a loincloth, fucking shit up. This is what you think of, um, and it's. It, everything about this movie is is fantastic like it's incredibly gory um it's got a great score by i've got his name down here basil polyduris um which is one of the more striking movie scores i've ever heard it's like instantly recognizable and basically it tells the story of conan who is a young kid in like some snowy village somewhere village gets raided by a warlord played by james l jones his parents are killed he's sold into slavery he's like trained in fighting pits and you know go basically is is raised as a living weapon gets his freedom and then goes to get revenge on the warlord who killed his family who is now uh, kind of a cult leader and you know you've got giant snakes you've got beheadings you've got orgies you've got arnold schwarzenegger punching camels it's all here for, and for what uh, what if you were to say like is it based in a in the in a in a sort of modified realm of history or is it just its own world no so i think it is technically i think very loosely it's it's on earth so it's um 
it, it, yeah, so actually this is one of the things that made me laugh about it because I always forget this happens. But so it's set in this kind of fictional era tens of thousands of years before like the ancient civilizations of Earth, so like the, the right, a, okay. ancient Egyptians and, and stuff like that. So it's not even called Earth. It's called, I can't remember what it's called. It's called something else. But the film literally opens with a Friedrich Nietzsche quote, which I, 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 is just so good. It doesn't make any sense in the context of the movie. And it, you know, it's, it's that which doesn't kill us makes us stronger, which is like, you know, okay, that's a good quote, I guess, for the sense. <laughs> yeah. for, for, for There's going to be killing in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, what are you like? Is Conan the Barbarian a big, a big fan of uh, German philosophers from the 18th century um, or 19th century? But um, yeah, so it is Earth technically, but it might as well not be. And it's kind of just plucking um, little bits of kind of cult. Uh, they, you, if you were being uncharitable, you could call it kind of cultural appropriation. You've got a character who's like a Mongol. You've got, you know, some kind of Orientalism uh, that, that that's mm-hmm. um, you know picked out uh, for certain characters as well. Uh, but it all meshes really beautifully, and it and it's it, it just creates like this really kind of distinct, vibrant fantasy setting um, that mm-hmm. I absolutely love. And and it and it's kind of there aren't any great performances in it. Schwarzenegger is <clears throat> he's kind of bad to average most of the time but it doesn't really matter because it's not about the performances um i mean I'd, like james l jones and max von Sydow kind of steal the show as the hammiest characters you could possibly uh hope to meet so james l jones's character is this guy called i think he's called Thulsa doom um yeah. and you know he's just he's basically just like darth vader like he sounds like darth i mean he sounds like james l jones that's what he's gonna sound like but, you know he's got his american accent he's not trying to do a fancy accent he has one of the worst haircuts of any character I've ever seen in a movie, because it's like it's clear that I, I assume it has to be part like part like extensions or a wig, because it's basically like for the for the, for the audio listeners, it's like short hair in the center and then long on the sides. Um, so it, it looks like you know he refused to wear a full wig, and instead they just like glued hair extensions to the side of his head. Oh jeez! Um, but yeah, it, oh, it, it's such a good movie. It's 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 just a rip roaring good time, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Okay, well, it's, it's actually I've never I've never ventured into the Conan the Barbarian uh, films at all. Um, I probably should. Well, it, uh, it, I mean, it came up last week actually. One of our, one of our, our listeners uh, mentioned it in the comments because um, obviously Jason Momoa was in the remake, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which was terrible. Um, and, and to be honest, the sequel with uh, Conan the Destroyer is not very good either. Um, but this is. I'd, I'd love them to do Conan justice because it's such a distinct setting, and it, this movie is so much fun. Okay, okay. Um, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see some uh, early sort of pre-Terminator um, stuff. Is this pre-Terminator? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, yeah, this one. Is, I think it was this one of his first ones, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, it's eighty-two. I think Terminator was eighty-four. Let me check. IMDb. They know what. 1984, yeah. Terminator was was 1984. So this was two years um, before, um, uh, two years before um, the Terminator. So he was a like, he was a relatively well known uh, quantity at this point. But I mean, he was still, I think he was still kind of finding his footing. So he was. Yeah, I think this was his big, big break. You know, I mean, the Conan and the Barbarian. I think this was his big, big break, if I, as far as I remember. Um, so yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to watch it, see who he was before the Terminator, because obviously after the Terminator came out, that's who he was you know from then on yeah no this is this is definitely one of his one of his more distinct roles i will say from because yeah what as you say once he did terminator he was kind of like i'm just gonna be like austrian action man now and that's that's gonna <laughs> yeah. that's gonna do me for the next 20 years yeah yeah which is fine i, I yeah. like i like a lot, a lot of his films true lies is a great one i love uh the sixth day i love that one too 
Um, You're one of the only people who likes the sixth day, I think. Oh, come on. (laughs) The reveal of the... I'm not going to spoil it. You know know what I mean. You know... Oh, this is so good. Anyway, okay. So, um... All right, I'm going to go into a new film. So I I watched a new film, uh, 2021 film. Okay. Which is a, a new film as far as I'm concerned. And I think it was released really recently. I'm not sure exactly the date of release because I just saw it on Netflix and I watched it. Um... And that is Yes Day. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> what did you say, sir? I said, oh, nice. Because my, my, my partner watched this without without consulting me. I wanted to watch this, and, sh- and she watched it without me. So I then couldn't watch it. But it seemed like quite an interesting concept, this. Um, well, if you've seen Yes Man, <laughs> which was the Jim Carrey comedy like 10 years ago, where Jim Carrey decided that he would never say no to anything again. He would just say yes to everything. Yeah. Well take that concept and put it in a film about a family that in order to try and get their kids to to respect their parents more they give them a yes day okay it's kind of like a mix between yes man and hall pass does zoe deschanel play a love interest in this one too no zoe deschanel is not in it and actually i will say that's actually something i do appreciate with the, with the film it is a family comedy uh, but the father does not have a sort of there's no there's no there's no point in the film where the father has his head turned Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, it's we're not we're not dealing with Chevy we're not dealing with Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah, we've moved beyond the family but the, the uh, National Lampoon's vacation era of family comedies here. Yeah, but I, but I will say it's funny that I've started in this sort of jovial, funny mood with this because I really didn't like this. Film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get serious for a, for a minute. This movie sucked. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, like it, it really did suck to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, they were, I'm sure, obviously, any, any film like this, you know, I don't, you know, Conrad, you know me. I love a family film. I love, yeah, I love like sort right of up your alley. I love a warm family film. It's just, it was an hour and twenty six minutes, and they were squeezing every last minute out that they could. Like it was, it was too much concept, not enough uh, writing. Like, yeah. Like the first five minutes of the film, we have a little four year old girl twerking, like twerking and while the mother's saying don't don't twerk and then they're all twerking i'm like when what is this like it's, it strikes me to feel like okay just to add to that point so twerking and then like five minutes later again we have uh the mother going for a job interview uh and then um she says oh i, I really want to work here i'm coming back from having kids and you know and the woman and the woman's like oh i'm sorry uh I really would like to hire you really good, but I want a millennial intern who I can just make work till 10 p.m., right? Uh, Did she literally say that? Yeah. I want a millennial intern who can get to work till 10 p.m. without questioning me while they're eating their avocado toast or something like that, right? And I thought to myself, I don't understand what it is with Hollywood film script, uh, script writers. They don't understand what a millennial is. The woman who was saying this was 35 years old. <laughs> yeah, like, you're a millennial. <laughs> yeah, you, you are a millennial. Yeah. And I'm just Millennials like, are old now, guys. All right, I know it's hard to accept, but we are, like, are we are, uh, admittedly, I am on the older end of millennial, but unfortunately, we have been supplanted by a younger generation, and I appreciate that scriptwriters don't understand what that generation's into yet. Yeah. They're into TikTok and phone sex or something. I don't know. But. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought, like, what is with this film? Like, this is like it was written five years ago with the twerking and the millennial bashing, and then it's like <laughs> took it took this long to get made, yeah. you know? 
Um, but there's there's a fair bit of stuff. Like it's a very paint by numbers thing. Yeah. Like you can see you can see every beat of it coming. You can see the moment where the you know it's sort of it's about the main relationship between Jennifer Garner who plays the mother and the uh, eldest daughter who's played by Jenna Ortega. And I'm not even gonna look her up, right? But I'm telling you now, she starred in a Disney film, a, a, a Disney show. She's like she's literally like a Selena Gomez, a Miley Cyrus. I'm telling you right now, I don't even have to look it up. She was in a Disney TV show. I don't know what it was. Yeah, I, I just like, tell- I'll, I'll interject for one second here to confirm that Anthony is indeed correct. She, she, was, in, she was in multiple Disney things. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough, you, uh, I'm not going to say what she's in, but you'll be seeing her again soon if you carry on your MCU rewatch. Oh, interesting. <laughs> ah. Keep an eye out for her. Although she'll probably be like, uh, how old is she in this? She's like 16 or something. 14 in this. Okay, so she'll I don't know be, what age she is in real life, but she'll, she'll, be, she'll be like a baby in when you see her, <laughs> when yeah. you see her in something. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, okay, so basically the idea is that the parents decide to give their children a yes day, which they have to say yes to anything their children ask them to do. Sure. Now, that seems like a pretty easy concept to get your head around as a screenwriter, okay? Yeah. But from the very start of this Yes Day, although I will say before we start, they get the idea of doing Yes Day from a, a counselor slash PE coach who randomly shows up to them at a parent-teacher meeting night in the cafeteria. This, this bit was funny. He showed up in the cafeteria having made a whole tray of tater tots. And he's like, he was almost like a spirit guide, but he just like showed up. He's like, want some tater tots? You know, that... <laughs> That was pretty funny, I will say. Okay. And he sort of came, he came back throughout the film, and he was he was a good part. I did like, I did enjoy him, but uh, but basically they set it up. But from the very beginning, uh, the whole point is like the parents do what the kids want. Like the kids say, "We'll do this," and uh, uh, can we do this? Or you ask you a question, and they say yes. Um, now, from the beginning, the mother's up first. The mother starts throwing bubbles around the room or glitter around the room, and I'm like hang on, is this yes day or is this mother acts like a child day? Like, what's <laughs> happening here? Why, she's just like, all of a sudden, like, I'm going to be fun. It's like, no, no. The children probably don't want you to be this nutcase. Yeah. You have to do what they want to do. Uh, okay, so that's... They, they couldn't get the rules right. And here's another example of how they couldn't get their own their own rules carefully meshed in. Now, you know me, Conrad. I'm always trying to spot little things going on. I've always got my theories going on, just like you do. <laughs> I consider myself quite a quite a a smart video uh, movie watcher, so whenever there was a whole bet going on between the the oldest girl, uh, or the teenage the teenage daughter, and Jennifer Garner, there was a bet going on that she wanted to go to this. Uh, oh, here's another thing that reason why it was written five years ago. She wanted to go to a music festival called Fleek Fest. Um, so nailed it, <laughs> nailed it, right? So she was going to go to this music festival, um, and she wanted to go with her friends. But the mum was like, no, you're not going without me. So then the bet was that if the mother said no at any point during the day, that she, the mom, the, then the girl could go on her own. But if the mother didn't say no at all, then the mother would go with her, right? Uh, see the bet? That's the okay. bet, right? So I was dismayed to find out that... Oh no, actually, no, I'm setting up wrong. I was, I, my, I had my, my antenna were out, and okay. I, was ser- I was searching for any time the mother was going to say no. I thought there was going to be this, some real nuance to this, right? Because obviously we know these scriptwriters, they're going to be consistent. <laughs> they were having a great time. The whole time it was built up. The, the daughter was asking her random questions all the time. Like, you know, how are you feeling today? Oh, whatever. Just random questions she could possibly get a no to. Trying to catch her mother out, right? Okay. As the, fil- as the film goes on, as you can imagine, the kids and the mom and the dad start getting on very well together. Uh, before the, the eventual will they, won't they, they won't, then they will. Um, so they're sitting at a, at a theme park. 
They're having a great time. It's, it's great. It's great to be in this family. The daughter says to the mom, do you want some popcorn? The mom says, no, thanks. Straight away, I'm thinking, well, there it is. She said, well, no. I feel like that's not it. Oh, not no, the no, no. The way, it. It was, the way it was built, <laughs> the, she was trying to catch her out to have her say no. Okay. All film. She was she was asking her random questions, trying to get her to say no. That's so weird, though. That's like not in the spirit of this concept at all, though. Like, so she's literally not allowed to say the word no in terms. No, of no. This is my it. point. No, I think you're taking the opposite thing I'm saying here. That ha- that was meaningless. Oh, okay, good. That was meaningless. Now, for me, I was like, "What are you doing here, guys? Like, <laughs> just just have her say I'm good. You know, like." <laughs> The daughter's been trying to catch her out the whole film to say the word no, and then when she finally says it, it's just ignored. That yeah, that sounds like infuriating, to be honest. I I didn't like it at all. It, it was a confusing setup, to be completely honest with you. Uh, there's also a couple of weird moments in the film where characters just randomly looked at the camera. <laughs> like, <laughs> love like, a fourth uh, wall break. Absolutely love was, a fourth wall break. It only happened once or twice, and it was so strange. Once with that guru guy, which kind of made sense, I suppose. But the first one was like they were playing some weird game where they had to throw paintball bean bags at each other or something. And like the little kid, the, the boy in the family, looked at the camera and was just like, I don't know, he said some quote from a war film or something. And he just looked, I, there was no other reference to looking at the camera the whole time. He just looks at the camera, says something, and then runs off. I'm like, what? that's What's going on here? That, that is such a dangerous thing to do in your movie, is be like, we're going to break the fourth wall. It's like, listen, unless your name is fucking Bugs Bunny, you're not allowed to just <laughs> suddenly break the fourth wall without very clearly establishing that that's the kind of movie you're making. Like, it works in farcical comedies, but it, it doesn't sound like this is that. No, exactly. Um, also, like, I said it's very paid by numbers, and it's not trying anything new. It's very, very by the book. So because the whole film doesn't have anything groundbreaking, nothing innovative, it's very paid by numbers, it really draws into question this aspect of it, which I'm going to mention. Because it, I'm thinking to myself, is this actually a, a deviation from the norm? Or is this just lazy writing and they have no idea what they're doing? I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see. You, you tell me what you think. I mean, it sounds the, like lazy writing for like the, 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 okay. going into this. So the son character, okay, they they set up that the son isn't very good at school. Okay, okay, um, and he has to have help with his homework, and he's he's just not a bright kid, right? It seems like that. They they set that up with him because like the whole idea is like you do all your homework, and then and then like you know you can get a yes day. Okay, weirdly. In the second half of the film, they decide for the big end of the thing, they're going to have a big nerd party. And apparently their son is a real big nerd who loves science. And like they're, and they're like mixing chemicals and like they've got the catalyst. and <laughs> You know, nerd the- parties where we mix chemicals and yes, do other yeah. nerd stuff. But like it all came from the one joke of let's have them walking around with a beaker full of uh, chemicals and pretend like these 12-year-olds are at a party with cocktails. That's what it was basically. But... Um, but I thought to myself, like, okay, is, is, he, is he the stupid kid who can't pass class, or is he the nerd? And I thought to myself, whoa, maybe they're doing this really cool thing. Like, you don't have to be smart to like science, which is cool. Yeah. But then I look at the rest of the film, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if they're doing that. Does um does that kid at any point solve a conundrum by remembering something to do with science that would make his parents realize that he's not actually stupid? He's just, um, you know, he, he just needs more encouragement or something like, along those lines. 
No, no. Okay, so it's a completely pointless character point that is never mentioned. He he served the idea that they had of having... Literally, right? They literally had the idea. One, they were going to make a little foam in the house because, oh my God, it's a catastrophe. They have to clean it up. And two, they wanted little kids who were like 11 years old walking around holding flasks full of colorful things that were science experiments but looked like cocktails at a party. Okay. I mean, that is adorable, but at the same time, like, that doesn't sound like... A, a, a nerd party to, you still need to have the party part of that like it's not just you can't just be like you're gonna have punch and hang yeah. out with your friends I guess and rather than watching superhero movies or whatever it is nerdy kids do these days yeah so there we go that's the film I I, I, I wasn't a big fan of it I'm completely honest with you but no. there there are moments a couple of moments which made me laugh like the, there was a particular moment with a with a a, paramed, a paramedic uh that made me laugh and I'll not say anymore because I don't want to ruin one of the only funny jokes in the whole thing but uh, Paramedic played by Fortune Feimster uh, and okay. I was going to say I was going to suggest Rob Riggle as a potential character he, this feels like the kind of movie that he would turn up as a character actor in but perhaps not it's it's just very good. Like it's uh, that 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 character is good. There's a couple of good characters, but none of them are the main characters, unfortunately. Okay, well that's not exactly a resounding endorsement, and unfortunately, um, I'm going to very. I'm not going to spend too long on this next one because I didn't like this one either. But um, <clears throat> I'm going to make a fly a whistle stop tour at uh, 2019's Pet Cemetery. Um, a I, I guess it's a remake of the 19... I think it's early 90s uh, adaptation of the Stephen King book. And to be honest, this one sits pretty much fl- like exactly where you'd expect it to in the pantheon of Stephen King horror adaptations, which is to say they're pretty much all bad apart from The Shining. Um, mm. It tells the story of a family that moved to like a, r- a rural town so their doctor dad can spend more time with the family, but unbeknownst to them, there is a haunted... Kind of, I, I, in the original, it's like an Indian burial burial ground or Native American burial ground, referred to as an Indian burial ground in the in the source material. Um, I don't didn't get the sense that that's what it was in this. I think they were trying to kind of get away from 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 that to a certain extent. But still, yeah. there's some tainted earth. When you bury things there, they come back to life, but not as you would ho- hope them to. Um, their cat is hit by a truck. They bury it. It comes back as a horrible cat that scratches things and, and hisses at John Lithgow um, and uh, and then we're off to the races and you know basically the plot of this movie is increasingly sentient and large creatures get buried in this in, in this cemetery <laughs> keep and because of the in. movie they just keep chucking them in and they keep coming back in worse and worse conditions and that's exactly goes, what we didn't want to happen yeah it goes about as well as you might expect um, I do not like the original of this and i think that uh, this is a worse version of that it doesn't really okay. do anything particularly interesting it's a bit of a jump scare fest which i'm not a massive fan of at the best of times because i just find it a bit lazy um it has john lithgow as i said before which is that's always something it's always great to see john lithgow mm-hmm. turning up in something although um it's it's pretty it, it's I don't know how you fight and like feel about John Lithgow, but whenever I see him, I find it really hard not to expect him to go into like a third rock from the sun kind of <laughs> characterization. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's what I want from John Lithgow, even if I don't, even if I don't know it. Um, um, oh yeah, well, what about in? Uh... 
what's that one with Margot Robbie in it where she plays the Fox News host? Oh, she's aspiring oh, um, Fox News host. Bombshell. Bombshell. Yeah. Jeez, little John Lithgow in that. He's not really the the, the dick. Well, he is the dick, but he's not <laughs> the dick. <laughs> yeah, not in the not in the lovable way that we'd all hope yeah. for John Lithgow. Um, yeah, no, he he plays a kind of affable old man in this. Uh, plays the neighbor who uh, gets the uh, immortal line um, from the original that sometimes dead's better. Um, <laughs> dead's better. Yeah, Simpsons parody that. Yeah. yeah, they did. Yeah, um, it's a very, it's probably the most memorable line from this. Um, it's a weird thing with Stephen King horror horror adaptations because they're always memorable and they always have a cool central concept, but the films are almost always trash. It's the same with it. Um, those movies are all bad, um, and and you know this 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 follows along in those footsteps. It's got some pretty gnarly gore in it, which I was into, but it it's not enough to salvage it from what is otherwise a pretty a pretty average. Um, outing to be honest so I'm not really going to spend any more time on it than that except to say I watched it and it weren't that good fair enough uh, okay so now we're going to go to um, Anthony's uh, kids corner uh, so Anthony's ba- <laughs> kids corner yeah. I, I don't I, like, I'm, I hadn't, I hadn't pr- workshopped that jingle so yeah I, I, we'll I tried to throw I, I tried to throw an ending in there but you got you jumped in with the trombone that's okay that's okay <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out we'll be better I was next just gonna time. I was I was just gonna go yeah um <laughs> is that is that appropriate for a kid's jingle that, see that that's I did realize that as I was doing it but at the same time <laughs> it's only not appropriate if you think it's not appropriate wow that feels like a cop-out but anyway Caroline tell me what's in what's in your corner this week Anthony okay my corner this week is I don't know why the other day I, I just decided to uh do a now this is not the typical thing to do but i thought i would go for a reverse ice age marathon christ what does that mean you watch them back to front yeah so i didn't actually yeah so i never like to be honest with you i didn't know there was any more than two of these and i've only ever seen one uh so the first ice age i think is a classic you know it's it's a a classic children's film yeah that was that was all right you know if you know back in the days of uh, everyone loves raymond we all were thinking of that man (laughs) Give him a trunk and some and some <laughs> and some the, tusks. Those and, halcyon and he, days of, of you know the yeah. Ray Romano cult of personality were like, get that man a fucking yeah. animated series because yeah. see, see the hair that's on his head, see the hair on his head, put it everywhere and you've got some yeah. gold, <laughs> right? So that's basically what happened with with Ice Age. It was just a perfect storm of uh, Luigi and because uh, I can't remember his actual name, but the the guy the guy who plays Sid the Sloth plays Luigi in the Super Mario Brothers film. <laughs> Uh, Super Mario. John oh, John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah, know he that, plays... that he was Sid the Sloth. That's uh, that's. I love that. That's what you associate John Leguizamo with as well. Like, of all it, the it movies really that is. he's been in, it's Luigi in the Super Mario Brothers movie. Lu- it's Luigi and Ice Age. That's what. That's what I. Uh, that's what <laughs> I remember great. him for. Not Romeo and Juliet. Not. No. <laughs> not. Not the the pest. No, okay. Romeo and Juliet. I was made to watch in, in secondary school. So to be honest with you, everyone always goes on. It's see what Baz Luhrmann did. It was amazing, unbelievable. I was like, and I'm like, come on. I had to study. They were all, they were all talking in really funny English. I didn't understand yeah. it at all. To be honest, I didn't understand a word they said. But uh, yeah, so uh, Ice Age. We watched. Um, now let me get try and get this right here because I, <laughs> I don't actually know the, the order here. We went backwards. So we watched uh, Ice Age Collision Course, uh, and I I watched it, and there was like mystical space stones that were magnetic sure and and they like were trying to to divert an asteroid from hitting the planet with these magnetic stones (laughs) and i thought all right so that series has jumped the shark at some point this this series this series like went went, yeah jumped the shark at some point (laughs) i was like right i was uh, seeing that i was like god okay i've got to see more and so i watched that like they had these like 
they went and oh yeah i gotta say if you are going to have a character who's like in tune with reality just like they do in um in zootopia it's got to be a llama the llama is known to be the most zen of all characters um so basically this uh i'm not gonna go through the film that's that they jumped the shark (laughs) then we watch the next one okay right um and uh which was actually the fourth so it's not the next one it's the previous one we went backwards um and this one was even funnier because they get it's called uh, ice age continental drift and they 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 get knocked off in on onto what do you call it like when it's a bit of ice breaks away is, that, oh, is there a name for that probably yeah i don't know yeah. like uh, marine biologists and um i don't know what even what what, what kind of scientist investigates like glaciers but if you're into glaciers, get in touch with the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so basically, the, the they get they get go off onto this like broken off piece of ice. Yeah, um, it's called continental drift. After do they, all. Do they, they eat get, one another <laughs> to survive? No, but it's, it's, it's even it's it's even better. They all go out onto onto this ice thing, right? Okay, and they meet up with uh, I, I I'm pretty sure it's a chimpanzee. As well as his crew, because they're pirates, and they meet up with pi- a chimpanzee pirate who has it's it's his own boat, which is just like a broken off piece of ice with a mast. Okay, right? sure. And they have like a raccoon or a badger. I think it's a badger actually. Okay. Who runs up runs up the mast, hangs on, and he's the flag. He's got the Jolly Roger on his back. Um, right. Okay. Peter what the fuck played- are they doing in the in the <laughs> <laughs> in like the North Atlantic Sea or wherever they are, the Arctic Sea? Listen, this is Ice Age. You do, you know, this is, you know, you're in one. Like, you know, this is basically, <laughs> I wanted to get a Captain, what do you call it, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow coin. No, yeah. actually, no, actually, no, that's not uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. That's your fella. Um, Orlando Bloom. No, no, no. The actual good actor in it. Who's, oh, um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're in one. Uh, that's... <laughs> But basically, okay, that was that one. Number four, it was, it was, it was pirate chimpanzees going on. So if you want to check that out, you can check it out. Yeah. I, I was I was trying to see where it all went wrong for the Ice Age uh, yeah. uh, series. This is like if they made like five Homeward Bound movies. Like you know, the first one is just about a dog, two dogs, and a cat getting home after being left uh, like abandoned in a national park. And by the fifth movie, they're like fighting space aliens. That's what I'm expecting this Ice Age retrospective to turn into. Yeah, well, there was at least two Homeward Bound movies. I know that for sure. Yeah, I think um, you're right. Which, I only honestly, those owners, one. you know, if they lost them again after that, <laughs> like, come on, guys. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't. I, I never. Watched, I, I, the first one's good enough for me. Like to be honest. Yeah, with. that's uh, fine. I'm coming, Peter, and I love you. <laughs> uh, so, Ice Age: Dawn of the Dinosaurs is the third one. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, so, didn't the Ice Age come after the dinosaurs? Yeah. So they came back. Uh, okay, the dinosaurs right. came, came back. Fine. Um, not, nothing more to say there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, chronologically, so, it left a lot to be desired. Like they clearly yeah. didn't have a good, a firm grasp on on the, their the funny thing, I will say actually, in the fifth one, which we, I know we're, we're all over the place here. I'll not say anything more because I only, I watched the three and then I watched the first one. I didn't actually watch the second one again. I don't, I don't know why I skipped oh, that it. But, might, um, that might have been the best one. It could have been. It could have been. That's the thing. Uh, but we'll never know. Um, so. There was in the fifth one, I will say, the first one we watched. Um, who's the uh, American Brian Cox? You know uh, Brian Cox, uh, the Seven Wonders of the Universe guy? Yes. Um, Neil, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh. So, yeah, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I was, was, I was trying to think of like Americans called Brian Cox then. Like, it, uh, okay, I understand how you arrived at Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm not thinking of Denim Dan. Like, thinking... <laughs> <laughs> Drunk enough to kick your ass! <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically, Neil deGrasse Tyson plays like a weasel who's like uh, commentating on the on the uh, the space and you know all the all the planets and everything. Sure. And at the the very end, whenever they they eventually divert the meteor, it's going to hit Earth. They divert the meteor. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's got a different name, but it's. Neil deGrasse Weasel or something he he, he <laughs> says <laughs> it is something it is I'm honestly I'm not even joking it's something like that Neil deGrasse Tyson let me have a look Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, Neil DeBuck Weasel yeah there we go oh, okay. uh, so, they made, so they made a couple of changes to the name yeah. but not many so he he's at he the film I, I, I love a film that ends with someone walking out it's, it's like Rock Horror Picture Show someone walks out and gives like a, a narration to the camera right so he he comes out he comes out as a weasel and, and it's like um, billions of years ago uh, Mars used to look just like Earth and it was covered in flora and fauna well maybe not what, whichever one's plants and water you know he's like look yeah. just like Earth and then he's like but scientists have no idea what happened. And then the meteor that they just diverted from Earth smacks into it, and it turns into <laughs> Mars, like, as Text we know it. Classic. And I, and I thought, geez, this whole film was conceived on that joke. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah, Ice Age Reverse Marathon. Put it in the calendar for next year. It is an annual event from now on. Jesus, uh, that's a lot of Ice Age. Yeah. Well, I only watched four of them, but you know. Um, I mean that's enough, frankly. But that's good. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad that was a, that was a lovely first trip to uh, to Anthony's uh, kids' corner. Hopefully, we'll come back again when you do um, a retrospective of Despicable Me and all the Minions movies. Or oh, I refuse to let my son watch the Minions <laughs> yeah. movies. They're so bad. They're so bad. Um, when middle-aged women like the memes of a children's film, I sort of try to avoid that. Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a red film. flag. That's a red yeah. flag. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I actually did... I, I'm only going to talk about the first one in this series, um, but I actually did something similar to you where I watched a bunch of films um, and um, to, to round us off for the day here. And this is the original. It's one I hadn't seen before. Um, and I found out this week that apparently my pla- my partner is super into these movies, uh, and that is 1968's Planet of the Apes, um, which yeah, it's, it, it's it stars Charlton Heston. It's a good old fashioned rip roaring adventure movie. It's directed by uh, Franklin J. Schaffner, who did like Patton and Papillon. So he, he you know he's got a he's got an adventure movie in him, um, and it's you know. It, it, it is basically what you expect a Planet of the Apes movie to be, which is obviously that a group of astronauts, they're on like some kind of interstellar mission. They're already... Actually, I'll, I'll say this for, for Planet of the Apes. It opens with, with Charlton Heston kind of basically expositing to the to the audience about how everyone that they know is already dead because they bit like, you know, they've only been gone for, mm-hmm. I think it's like six months, but, but in Earth time, like 700 years have passed. And he doesn't seem yeah. overly concerned about that fact. <laughs> like, I feel like... Like for, you know, I would be slightly upset at the fact that everyone I know and love is long dead. Um, well, I love that. Is is he doing it in like a? Like, as far as I remember, is it like a captain's log? Is it like yeah, a he's basically log? doing like a captain's log while playing. Well, they're all cigar. gone, Sean. They're, yeah. like, they're all yeah. Who are you who are you giving this to? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. like no one even knows that NASA existed anymore. Like it's faded into memory. Like the like the One Ring. It's passed yeah. into legend. Um, but yeah, so obviously they go through a wormhole. They crash on what seems to be a foreign uh, or an alien planet ruled by by uh, rambunctious apes who hunt humans mm-hmm. for sport and uh, he, he's taken prisoner his other crew 
crewmates are killed or lobotomized, and uh, then he must orchestrate an escape aided by two scientists who take an interest in Bright Eyes and his ability to speak. Um, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. See, oh, Dr. Zayas. This is a classic example of a movie that has been ruined for me by The Simpsons. <laughs> like, because as soon as I saw this, I was like, there is, The Simpsons absolutely nailed this. <laughs> Can I play the piano anymore? <laughs> I want that Planet of the Apes musical so badly. Um <laughs> This is this movie is it basically shouldn't work. I don't think this movie because it's basically just Charlton Heston overacting constantly for like an hour and a half. But gosh darn it, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I think you know, there's some stuff in the script that is actually quite good. Like I think as a means of sort of critiquing human society by like kind of taking a step back from it and positioning humans as you know the inferior species and these these apes as the dominant species. It's actually quite clever. You know this idea of like. Mm. Uh, it, it, it doesn't the messages can be accepted more readily because it's not humans who are doing it um i will say that the critiques are about as broad as they come it's things like maybe don't hunt for sport um and religious fundamentalism is kind of bad and you know maybe don't be anti-science but it's still you know i i enjoyed it um and i you know dr zayas as the kind of head of the church and also the head of the scientific department is is a, a kind of worryingly <laughs> prescient depiction of where society would go in terms of its uh, its relationship with science and facts it's also some it's also an area which um the uh the south park explores some some somewhat as well the idea of uh future science being looked at like religion religious cults yeah yeah like mr, I- mr. garrison's role in that is is very funny i might add I don't think I ever actually got up to that stuff in South Park, to be honest. Oh, really? No, it's only one or two episodes, uh, but they, they do like a... F- they go into the future. And, uh, and like, literally, there's there's different cults of science that are, like, just they take over the religions. Oh, okay. And doc- Dr. Garrison is one of, like, the head of the science. I can't remember which head of science he is, but but he's, like, he's basically, is like, he's, like, slave, you know? Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's... I might even go back to 1984, that, that. This idea of, like, calling something science, but it's actually just, you know, this 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 religious cult, basically. Um, yeah. But that is essentially what Dr. Zayas runs here. Um, but yeah, it's really good fun. A uh, lot, lot of Charlton Heston booty in this. He spends a lot of time pretty much naked. Um, and and he, there is... The, the middle of this film is kind of dominated by essentially a courtroom drama where Charlton Heston's character Bright Eyes has to like defend himself as uh, you know they're basically saying he should be lobotomized because he's um, you know he's been created by these two scientists uh, played by Roddy McDowell and Kim Hunter called Cornelius Sanzira um, and there's like there's a bit in this sequence where like you know there's a lot of back and forth it goes on for about 25 minutes and they like uh, this kind of ultimate conflict in this in this courtroom sequence they like roar something across at the three judges who are all orangutans who are like the kind of religious fundamentalists disguised as scientists um and and they do literally do the see no evil hear no evil speak no evil thing with their hands in a front on shot and it's one of the dumbest things I could I, like, I couldn't believe they'd done it I had to rewind it and go and watch it again but it's fantastic like and the the, the movie well 1968 would, would it's so obvious now but would people it was a, it's in the zeitgeist now was it as in the zeitgeist in 1968 or could they get away with being that obvious. I don't know. Maybe I don't know where that even comes from originally. To be honest, the the, the see no evil thing. But um, mm. yeah, I mean, I I found it really funny, and there's lots of little jokes yeah, yeah. like that throughout it. Um, 
you know, Charlton Heston gets some great lines. Get, he gets to like raw, you know, get your damn hands off me, you dirt, you dirty ape and stuff. And it's just like he's so hammy. And I have to say as well, for I, I don't know whether this would have been considered considered like a blockbuster because it was late sixties. So I think the era of like really big budget kind of adventure movies was kind of on its ass at that point. It was pre Jaws, but this. I won't give away how it ends, but it ends very, very bleakly, which for, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't really get away with that in a blockbuster these days. And I, I kind of loved it. It completely caught me off guard how bleakly it ends. Um, but yeah, so I mean, tonally, it, it was right up my alley. But yeah, Planet of the Apes, not bad. I also watched all the other ones. I'm not going to talk about them on this, but I watched all the, the modern ones as well because they're all on, or most of them are on Disney+. Plus. Um None of them held up to this one, though, is what I'll say for for this, uh, or for 1968's Planet of the Apes. Tim Burton's Supreme Edition. Um, all right, we'll not talk about that one at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I that was the one I refused to watch, actually. I said, I was, no, I'm doing that. We can do the James Franco ones. <laughs> I don't like the James Franco ones particularly, but I'm not doing the Tim Burton one again. Barry Pepper isn't enough to save those movies. <laughs> I would call them the Andy Circus ones. I like them better when I say that. Yes, that is true. That's a better way of thinking of them. Um, yeah, I suppose James Franco's only in the first one. But he, he alone is enough to ruin a movie for me. I really dislike him as an actor. Caesar is home. Uh, I Yeah, like, uh, well, James Franco is, is very hot and cold for me, like, to be honest with you. But um, like, I love Pineapple Express, to be honest with you. But maybe it's in spite of him. Yeah, I think there's there's good stuff in Pineapple Express. Um, but I feel like you could put another, another actor in his part mm. and I would like that movie more. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. But yeah, so there we go. Is that you done for the week? I can't remember how many we said you had. Yeah, yeah no, I just did yesterday. Uh, what was the other one? Ice Age. <laughs> Ice Age. Uh, so memorable. Ice Age and, Th- and Thor. And Thor, lovely. Okay, well, I think that is going to do it here for us this week um, on the best movie podcast ever, um, which leaves us, as it always does, with only one simple question to answer, and that is, Anthony, what is your favourite movie? Ice Age, Continental Drift. Great. Chimpanzee Pirates. Um, (laughs) Mine is Conan the Barbarian. Um, We have got an exciting news. Drum roll, please. I'm doing a drum thing here with my hands. Um, Next week, we're going to be doing a themed episode because WrestleMania is coming up uh, in two weeks' time, I believe. Yeah, start of April. Yeah, Yeah, start of April. So next week, uh, we'll be doing a themed episode on wrestling movies. So join us to check that out. Anthony Anthony and I are both, I wouldn't say erstwhile fans of wrestling. We're not like actively involved in it as much as we once were. We we, well, it's it's like it's like anything. Like we we go in like waves. Yeah. You know, it's like certain months of the year you'll be really into it, and then other months of the year you'll sort of fade out again. I stay abreast of it without being yeah. you know too too deep, too deep into it but yeah so join us for that um but um yeah thank you for joining us this week um as i said at the beginning of the episode if um if you haven't already please subscribe to us on uh, youtube at the culture cave or on podcasting apps we are the best movie podcast ever um and yeah give the show a like get involved in the comments let us know what you saw this week and what you thought of the movies that we watched but we'll see you same time same place next week and cut